I, um, about a, he, he wanted some feedback, and so he, he looked at the grandmother and he said, ma'am, would you stand up and tell us how you feel about the week? She stood right up and she said, oh, preacher, she said, I'm just so excited. I'm so full. I've never been this full before. I'm just overflowing. I'm so full. Hallelujah. And she sat down. He said, well, thank you. And he looked at the granddaughter and he said, honey, why don't you stand up and tell us how you feel? She stood up and she said, preacher, I had a belly full of it too. <laughs> well, I don't know if you've had a belly full of it, but uh, it's been good for me. Uh, I, I, I'd like to tell you that every place I go treats the evangelist the same way you do, but it doesn't happen that way. And uh, I travel all over the United States, especially up and down the sea, uh, eastern seaboard. And, uh, but anyway, thanks so much. I, um, I do still have books back there. I hope you'll find your way to get one. And nobody has signed up to be on my email list unless you did it coming in today. Uh, I need more prayer partners. And so if you would... Uh, if you would do that, I'd love to have you on there. And if you don't like it on there, you can get off any time, okay? Just erase yourself from it or somehow you do that. But anyway, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I've learned not to believe in accidents anymore. I believe every person is here tonight because God wanted you to be here tonight. Some of you may think, well, I came because my wife forced me. No, you came because God wanted you to be here. Some of you kids are saying, well, they didn't have a choice. Yeah, yeah, God wanted you to be here too. Uh, so every person here is for a reason, okay? You remember that? All right, if you have your Bibles uh, and you'd like to turn with me to the book of James, I get so excited about a service like this, um, I can hardly stand it. The, book, the last chapter in the book of James, the fifth chapter, Beginning with verse 13, if you'd stand with me, please, as we read the Word of God. James five thirteen. Is anyone of you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I want to share with you where I'm going tonight so you'll know every step of the way. I'm first of all going to share with you a story that took place in my life a long, long time ago. I was in my second appointment, so it was a long time ago. Then I want to share with you some bad things about healing. I don't know if you know this, but there's some terrible theology. There's some terrible teaching on healing. Uh, turn television on. You probably can find it somewhere. Uh, I call it stinking thinking. Uh, but that, that's, we're going to deal with that. Not all of the things, but just some of the things you might hear. And then I want to give you some convictions on healing. These are obviously my convictions on healing uh, that I've gained through study of Scripture, through prayer, and through doing healing services all over. And then I want to give you some steps to healing. Uh, this is not an exhaustive list, I'm sure, but it's a list that I put together. And I'll give you the Scripture that goes with it. These are the things that if you expect God to bring some healing, uh, then these are some of the things you need to do. 
And then lastly, we'll invite you to come forward and to pray for yourself or to pray for somebody else. We'll anoint you with oil, as the scripture says to do, uh, and then we'll go from there. The story starts a long, long time ago. In fact, it was uh, back in August the 8th, 1978. Uh, many of you were not born then, but uh, I was in my second appointment. I was associate pastor at uh, a large 5,000-member church in Marietta, Georgia. I um, had just come home, on my way home, from a long, 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 boring, boring board meeting. And I'm sure you all don't have those here, but we had them there. I'm a type A. Uh, that means I don't like meetings at all especially long, boring meetings that could have been done in 30 minutes and it took two hours. So I was kind of out of sorts. My sanctification had leaked a little bit by then. <clears throat> I'm walking into the parsonage. Uh, I see my wife in the, in the, in the, in the kitchen, and, and this will tell you how old it is. She's hanging the phone on the wall. <laughs> and she came and met me. She said, you'll never guess who just called. I said, honey, I'm in no mood for guessing games. Just tell me. She said that was, an, she named the attorney, a certain attorney that called. The church had about probably 20 attorneys in it. Uh, and I recognized the, the name right away. And I said, well, what did he want? She said, well, he has a client, a young teenage girl. She's pregnant. She's not married. In fact, she's at Kennestone Hospital right now getting ready to deliver a baby. She's in labor. And she made up her mind at the last minute that she wanted to put this baby up for an adoption and wanted to know if we knew anybody that wanted to adopt a baby. Well, Susan and I immediately came to the same name without any problem at all. Chuck and Betty June Kaufman, we call her BJ. Chuck and BJ, uh, they, they were our age. We were young at that time. And uh, they were from out of, their parents were out of town. Our parents were out of town. We just kind of gravitated to each other. We loved each other. Just, just a, a sharp, strong Christian couple. BJ and Chuck had been trying to get pregnant for... Six years, three miscarriages, uh, just all kind of things that didn't work. It was a long time ago. There weren't as many fertility things as there are today, and, and uh, they, just, they just couldn't. They just couldn't. They had prayed hard. My wife and BJ were, were, were prayer partners, and they'd claim Scripture together. Old Testament, single, barren woman, you who have no children, for greater will be your children. From the New Testament, those who trust in the Lord will not be disappointed for their heart's desires. They cleaned that scripture together. BJ told me one time, she said, I know this, these problems are for God's glory. I just don't understand it. I said, I don't either. That was the couple that came to our mind right away. Uh, I, I got the phone. It, it, it was late. I, the board meeting went so long, it must have been close to 11 o'clock. But I called anyway, and BJ answered the phone. They just got back from vacation, one of those freebie vacations. You know where you go to West Virginia to visit her parents and to Pennsylvania to visit his parents? And they're driven all the way from Pennsylvania all the way to Marietta, Georgia, and they were totally exhausted. And I said, BJ, how would you like to have a baby? She said, what? I said, baby, you want a baby? There's going to be a baby born tonight. I don't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl. I don't know anything about the situation. I don't know anything about the mother. I don't even know if the father's involved in this at all. All I know is there's going to be a baby boy, and you can have our baby. You can have this baby if you want, baby, but you got to let me know in 20 minutes. She said, I'll call you back. I said, make it within 20 minutes. 
I went to sit down in my lounge chair and I was just getting ready to sit down, the phone rang and it was BJ. And she said, Tom, we didn't have to pray. We've been praying so long. We believe this is God's miracle for us. This is God's baby for us. Well, that night, a baby boy was born at Kenstone. It's amazing about churches. The next morning, everybody in that church knew about it. Rumors fly in churches. I don't know if you know this, but it just, everybody knew about it. Everybody was so excited. Everybody loved this couple. I just, just loved them to death. And everybody was, showers were organized immediately. I'm talking about that night there was a shower. The next day there was a shower. Chuck's office had a shower for him. He got footballs and baseballs and all kind of stuff. And everybody, it was just, Susan and I were the most excited of all. We were instant grandparents. We had a four-year-old and we knew all there was to know about children. So we shared our great knowledge with them. It was just cool. I mean, it was just really fun. Christmas almost. That was on a Tuesday night that I got the call. I was in my office. I think it was on a Friday, Thursday or Friday, maybe Thursday. And my secretary buzzed in and she said, Tom, there's a Dr. Stevens on the phone for you. Well, the church probably has 20 or 30 doctors in it. But that name didn't ring a bell at all. And so I said, okay. And so I took the call and the voice said, Reverend Atkins, my name's Dr. Stevens. I'm the pediatrician for Chuck and Betty June Kaufman. I'd like to know if you could come to my office immediately. I said, what's wrong? He said, well, there's something wrong, but if you could come, I said, I'll be right there. I knew exactly where the office was, right across the street from the hospital, probably two miles from the church. I walked in and uh, I could see that BJ and the, and the doctor were in a conference room and she had been crying. I could see that right away. And I said, what's going on? And the doctor said, well, the baby they were to adopt has an incurable kidney disease called polycystic kidney disease. He said, the best, best I can promise is, or I can't promise, the best I can tell you is that there's a possibility this baby could live to be five years old. Most likely won't live a year. I said, wow. I was green. I didn't know what I was doing. He left. BJ and I got down on our knees on the floor and just cried and prayed. just devastated. I said, BJ, stay here just a minute. I'm going to go out in the hall. I went in the hall, found the doctor between patients, and I said, I need to talk to you. Are you sure? Are you positive? Could there be any kind of mistake? He said, Pastor, there's no mistake. There is no mistake. We have, uh, the first indication we had was the baby didn't urinate for 48 hours. He said, I called another pediatrician. I called two urologists in. We did all the tests, did all the x-rays, everything. He said, come here, I want to show you something. We went into an x-ray room and there were x-rays on the board, on the sheet there. And he said, you see all those masks in the kidneys? Those are kidneys. You see those black spots? Those are, are cysts in there. He said, it's not operable, impossible. This baby's going to die. Well, every pastor that's been a pastor for any length of time has done some really hard things with parishioners. And probably the hardest thing I've ever done was to drive BJ home and to tell Chuck he had, um, she had come to get routine feeding instructions, she thought, so he didn't come. Walked in and shared with Chuck and we just sat there and cried together. I went out in the kitchen, got on the phone, called my wife, said, honey, here's the situation. You need to get some people here now, right away. Within about 30 minutes, I saw the churches I'd never seen it before. 
I don't mean our church, but the church. There was a spirit-filled Roman Catholic lady that came. There were two or three folks from the Baptist church that loved the Lord. They came. Six or seven from our church. And I can see us now. We were on our faces before the Lord in a circle. And we were just, it was, everybody was praying out loud at the same time. Um, not caring what anybody else was praying, but we were just praying. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. I don't know how long it was, maybe an hour. All of a sudden, I heard this scream from the other side of the room, and she said, Tom! Everybody stopped praying and looked up. I didn't know this lady. She was from another church. She said, Tom, we're praying for the wrong thing. I'm thinking, I'm the pastor. What does she mean? We're praying for the wrong thing. I said, what do you mean we're praying for the wrong thing? She said, have you read James 5? I said, of course. I had no idea what James 5 said. I'm sorry. I'm sure I'd read it, but I had no idea. She said, James 5 says, if anybody's sick, call the elders of the church together and anoint the sick person with oil. I said, what are you saying? You think I need to go to the hospital and put some oil on that baby? She said, that's what it says. I said, well, what if they won't let me in? And she said, all you can do is try so I called the pediatrician up and I asked him, I said, uh, is it possible for me to get in there and pray for this baby? And he said, yeah, it's possible. Let me call you back. He called me back. He said, it's all arranged. Just ask for the head nurse when you get there and she'll show you where the baby is. So I got on the phone again and I called the chaplain of the hospital, Cecil Fike. I'd known him for a long, long time. I said, Cecil, I'm coming by your office in a minute. He said, what for? I said, because you and I are going to the nursery. And he said, oh, okay, what are we going to do? I said, just pray till I get there. So I left, and, and, and these people really started praying because they knew I had no idea what I was doing. Halfway to the hospital, it dawns on me, I'm going to need something that I didn't have. At that time, I didn't have any oil. I, now I carry oil with me everywhere, but I didn't then. But Dr. Dunaway, who's a member of the church, a druggist, had a drugstore right across the street from the hospital. So I pulled into the parking lot, and I went in the drugstore. As I'm walking in the, in the drugstore, it hits me. What kind of oil am I supposed to buy? James 5 doesn't tell you. And I had a flash of brilliance. I don't have one of these, but every 50 years I'm waiting on my second one now. It's a baby. I walked out of the drugstore with a jar of Johnson's baby oil and a brown paper bag. <laughs> went to the hospital, met Cecil. We went to the to the nursery, head nurse met us and uh, went, she knew what we were there for and she said, are you gonna touch the baby? I said, yes ma'am, I'm gonna put some oil on it if that's okay and she said, that's fine, just go wash up. So we went and washed up, put a gown on, walked across a nursery that must have had 15 babies in it, I guess, to another nursery with one baby by himself wrapped in a blue blanket, most beautiful baby dark black hair, dark skin, but just squirming, just motion, oh, just continued motion. Like I, I, I had just thought he, probably he was hurting, but he was just moving. As we walked across the first nursery, a nurse came up to me and she said, are you gonna pray for the baby in there? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, can I go with you? I said, yeah. She said, I'm a Christian. Praise God. I took that jar and I just got some baby oil out of there and I just slapped it on his forehead. 
closed my eyes and started praying. And it was just a brief prayer. It wasn't long. I just said, dear Jesus, Chuck and BJ don't want this baby to die. Susan and I don't want this baby to die. I don't think you want this baby to die. Would you please just heal this little baby? And I opened my eyes and I looked down and he was still. His eyes were shut. And my first thought was he died right there. I mean, he just, he's dead. But he opened his eyes and he looked up and I know they can't focus at that age, but it looked like he was looking at me and I asked him a question. <laughs> I said, young man, what's your name? He didn't answer, but <laughs> the nurse said he doesn't have a name. Nobody's been here because of the legal things. He said, but we, named, we nicknamed him. We called him Baby Love. I said, well, that's a good name, but that's not his name. His name's Christopher. <laughs> that's the name they had picked out for him, which means gift of God. I went back to the house where people were praying and they had been praying for hours and hours and hours without a break. Just kept praying. I reported what I'd done. And we prayed a little bit longer. And finally, I just said, folks, you know, we just, we just think we probably need, need to go our separate ways and keep praying. We'll keep in contact. So I went back home. And um, Susan again met me at the front door. She'd been on the phone. But this time, as she went across the living room, she was screaming at the top of her lungs. Just screaming. Our little four-year-old, she knocked him to the ground. He got up, and he was screaming. It was bedlam. It was just everybody screaming. I'm not knowing what's going on. I said, what in the world is going on? Why are you screaming? What's going on? She said, that was Dr. Stevens on the phone. I said, really? She said, yeah. I said, what did he say? He said, 20 minutes after you left the hospital, Christopher soaked two diapers completely through. And they couldn't understand it. They called in the other pediatrician. They called in urologist. They did all the tests. They did the x-rays again. All the tests that were positive all of a sudden were negative. The x-rays of the kidneys that showed the cyst showed no cyst and they cannot be passed. Did you catch that? It was impossible. It couldn't happen. I baptized that baby probably a month later. We didn't need water. My tears were all over him. I guess about 10 years ago now, 15 years ago, I got a call. I happened to be home, kind of rare. And uh, the voice said, uh, Reverend Atkins. I said, yes. He said, this is Chris Kaufman. I said, Chris, how are you? He said, I'm great. He said, I'd like you to do me a favor. I said, you name it, buddy, I'll do it. He said, I'm getting married. I'd like you to do my wedding, please. Chris and his bride had two babies. One just left for the army about a month ago. The other's still in high school. I'm telling you that story, and I'm sorry to take so long, but I'm telling you that story for two reasons. One, you need to know that I didn't know what I was doing, but God still healed. And secondly, I don't have all the answers to healing. I wish I did. 
As soon as I get to heaven, I'm enrolling in Healing 101. I'm going to find out the answers that I don't know. Like, why is this person healing this one? I don't know. But I know Scripture enough. I think my faith's enough right now that I want to do exactly what James 5 says to everybody I run into. Anoint with oil, pray for healing, pray for forgiveness. So what are the bad things? Well, the first thing is that some people say it's not for today. It was back in Jesus' day. There are preachers that believe this. There are seminaries that believe this. That it's not for our day, but it was back in Jesus' day, and then it's not for ours. But it is. Scripture's real plain at that point. Uh, some people say it's psychosomatic. That it's in the mind, and Jesus was so strong in the mind, you know, uh, that that's how he healed. But last time I checked, death and leprosy were not psychosomatic. Three days dead and stinking kind of stuff, you know? And Jesus, somebody said the, all the funeral directors hated Jesus. He was always getting people up, you know? Another group says God heals, but he only heals through special people. Like another generation, Catherine Kuhlman or Oral Roberts, or maybe today Benny Hinn, whoever you see on television. And I do believe there's a gift of healing that God gives people. But I also believe that any of us and all of us can pray for healing and be prayed for for healing. Uh, I, if I were to ask you, do you have the gift of evangelism? Most of you, hopefully, would say no. And hopefully I would say yes. That may be debatable, but that, that, that's my gift. But just because I've got the gift and you don't have the gift, does that mean you shouldn't share Jesus with your neighbor or your friend or your family? No, of course not. So it's not just the gift, okay? Um, some say God only heals the big stuff, the major things. The only problem I have with that is Scripture. Matthew 4.23 says he healed all their diseases. Didn't matter what it was. It could be a headache or it could be cancer. And then the last thing, I, I, the bad thing is that some people say, God heals if you have enough faith. I have a real problem with that. Um, have you ever seen a mustard seed? When I was in Israel, uh, I was getting off the bus, the tour bus, and there was a little Israeli boy standing there, and he had his hands like this, and he said, one American dollar. And I said, for what? He said, mustard seed. I couldn't see it. Scripture says if you have the faith of a mustard seed, it's not how much faith you got, it's how much how much you use it. And so I, I have a trouble with, you know, Johnny Erickson Tata or, or Paul or, or, you know, these people that we didn't see healed. It's not about your faith. Faith is important. Don't, don't get me wrong there. But don't use that excuse not to be prayed for or pray for somebody. And if you're waiting to get your theology on healing all straight and all worked out before you pray for somebody or you be prayed for by somebody, get, forget it. It's not going to happen. It's like saying, when I get enough money, I'll get married. When did anybody ever here ever have enough money to get married? Never. It's the same way. So don't, don't depend it on that. So here are my convictions. Are you with me? You okay? 
Number one, healing is one of the three ministries that Christ himself gave the church. Three things. You only got to do three things to be a church. Number one, have covered dish suppers. No, no, no. That's Methodist. I'm sorry. No, no. Number one. Preach the gospel to every creature. That's the reason we have missionaries. That's the reason we continue to talk about evangelism. Preach the gospel to all creatures. Secondly, Jesus said, teach all that I've commanded you. We believe in teaching, disciple Bible studies, Sunday school, small groups. We believe in teaching. But thirdly, Jesus told the church to heal the sick. It's the job of the church. Now, we incorporate other folks to help us with this, but it's the church. So far, usually it's the last thing we do. We get too desperate. We finally can do nothing else, and so we come to the church. It's the church's job. Heal the sick. The second conviction is I believe God wills wholeness. Now, I don't have the time to go into wholeness and what it means and all, but I believe God wants everybody to be healed. Well, Tom, why aren't some people healed? I don't know. I just don't know. Scripture, for Matthew 14, 36, all who touched him were healed. Matthew 4, 23, he healed all their diseases. I can't find in Scripture wherever any, anybody was turned down by Jesus. Um, there's, I think I counted 26 miracles in the Gospels of healing. Uh, Jesus healed. The third thing is there's no one method that God uses. God uses all kind of ways to heal. He uses doctors. I praise God for Christian doctors. Uh, he uses medication. What you do not do, if you think you've been healed of high blood pressure, you don't go home and flush your blood pressure medicine down the toilet. What you do is you go to the doctor and say, I think I've been healed. And he'll say, what do you mean? He said, I've been in the healing service. You tell me if I've been healed or not. If it's, it's, let's be real here. And if you have... Woo, he's going to blow that doctor's mind. It's cool. Be good. He, he heals through counseling. I appreciate this lady right here. And I appreciate ladies like her or men like her. I think, and you, you may disagree. You can tell me later, okay? I think there are three kinds of, three ways of healing by counseling. The first is to go to a non-Christian counseling. I would not send my dog to a non-Christian counselor. The second one's a little more tricky. It's a Christian counselor that counsels secularly. I don't send anybody to them either. But then there are Christian counselors who knows how to use the power of the Holy Spirit, knows how to pray. They're licensed. They're trained but they know the Spirit can work through them. That's who I send people. I am not a counselor. I have counseled for 50 years, and I'm not a counselor. I finally got smart later on in my ministry, and I would say one session, and after that, you go see a counselor, and I'll tell you which one to go to. My little church, I got a church of 35 people. I'm full-time evangelism, and I'm a part-time pastor. In my little church of 35, we have a full-time counselor in our church licensed, her schedule is full. People come from Dahlonega, 
come from all over, all the way to Athens. I believe in I know people that, that had counseling when they were teenagers or young people, they wouldn't be where they are today. God can use that for healing. And, and I believe God uses diet. Some of us are abusing our bodies. Can't expect God to heal if we don't take care of our bodies, the temple of the Holy Spirit. I believe God heals through rest. I know some people that are so tired they can't get healed. My wife's greatest ministry is to take, especially when they were young, take grandkids away from their parents and say, go, go somewhere. God heals through rest. And then God heals through miracles like Christopher. That's my favorite kind. I wish all of them were that way. But he does heal through miracles. And lastly, he heals, heals through the resurrection. For a Christian, death is the final healing. And I love it. I love it. I told people, I'm ready to go. I just don't want to suffer. <laughs> I'm a chicken when it comes to suffering. But God can use that. Now let me give you one practical truth. Uh, healing... Most healing that I see is gradual. I was eating lunch today with a pastor in town. It's a good friend of mine. He was sharing me, and he has a big church. And uh, he was telling me about a situation. They were having a revival at that church. And, and uh, I don't know if it was a staff member who it was. It was a, a lady that was beside him. And she had been in pain for a long, long, long time. And he said, I was just impressed that I should tell her that I wanted to pray for her right now. And she said, okay. I mean, they're standing in the back. The he said, I just put my hand on her shoulder. And I said, God, would you just please heal this lady? From that moment, and now it's like three weeks later, she has not had one bit of pain. So it can happen. But usually it's gradual. At least that's what I see. I, I've prayed with women to be pregnant. I want you to know it takes nine months. That's gradual. Don't worry, ladies. I'm not going to pray that for you unless you want it. And let me give you the steps and I'm through. Number one, relaxation. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. That's not something new age. It's just sometimes we just need to relax. In my church, I, sometimes we, we have, when we have healing services, sometimes we just... Turn the lights off, turn the, no music, no anything. It drives some people crazy because they get in the car, they turn the radio on, they get home, they turn the television on. You know, they, they haven't been, be still. And that's what we're going to ask you to do tonight It's just to be still before the Lord. The second one is cleansing. 1 John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us or purifies us from all sin. There are, there are people that cannot be healed because they need to be purified, need to be cleansed. Uh, that's, that's just a major thing. And you say, God, would you just purify me, cleanse me? Uh, I purge this out of me. Uh, I, I read, I was listening to a Christian medical doctor um, who's a missionary. And he says that he believes that the body that God created is 100% capable of healing itself. 
But the reason it doesn't happen is because of the stuff that's still in us. The anger, the resentment, the hatred, uh, whatever it might be, that will block. Mayo Clinic came out several years ago and said that 91% of their patients, not mental patients, but all of their patients, were there indirectly or directly because of anxiety. And that, that suppresses the immune system. That's what medical science is believing now, suppressing the immune. And it doesn't mean if you're sick, that's your reason, but it could be. And so those things need to be surrendered and given over. The third step is clarification, Matthew 20, 32. Story about a blind man comes to Jesus and Jesus asks him the question, what do you want me to do for you? Whoa, did Jesus not know he was blind? Of course he did. But I think Jesus wants us to, to, to say what we need. When you come to the, tonight to be prayed for for yourself or somebody else, you need to say what it is. Do you really want to be healed? I know people that don't want to be healed. I really do. I had a lady in my church in, in Monroe. She called me up one day and she said, Pastor, I'm in the hospital. I said, what are you doing in the hospital? I didn't know you were in the hospital. I'm in the hospital and I'm dying. She was an elderly lady. She was dying. And I said, I'll be right there. She said, that's the reason I called. I don't want you to come. I said, why? She said, I know you. You'll come up here and put some of that oil on me and pray for me to be, I want to go see Jesus. She was healed and went to see Jesus. That's a healing, okay? The fourth step is consecration, Romans 14, 8. Whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. The fifth step is faith. Um, the greatest Christian counselor I've ever known is going to be with the Lord now. Uh, I heard him preach a sermon, and he was saying that, that we need to visualize in our minds that we are healed. That's not, that's not weird. Just stay with me. Isn't that what faith is? You see it before it happens? If, if, you, if it happens and then you see it, that's not faith. But it takes faith to be. And so if you come tonight and say, I want you to pray for this particular thing. I want you to pray that the cancer will be gone. Then you visualize your body as cancer-free. You you come to you, say, you want this relationship between a husband and wife to be healed and to be whole and complete again. You visualize that in your mind as you come complete, whole, back together. It's healing. Well, why are some people not healed? I don't know. Why are some people not saved when I preach on salvation? I don't know. Age, maybe. Un other unknown factors. But all we're called to do is to be obedient. James 5 says, is anybody sick, call the elders of the church, lay hands on, pray for healing. If you've sinned, you need to confess that sin and then you're forgiven and then you're healed. Now, tonight we're gonna, we're gonna have three people praying. Uh, we got one person here and one person here. I love having a woman to be praying with us. And uh, especially a woman that's a professional counselor, that helps too. And so we got three of us gonna be up here.
And we're going to line up two lines here, and one will be standing out here in front of the altar rail, and, out, and one will be here, and one over there. And we want you to you'll be, stand. You don't have to kneel. You just come. And we're going to pray. And uh, we'll first of all ask you what you need to be prayed for. Now, let me tell you, I am by far the oldest of the three. Yes, I am. You're a young, close to it. If you name 10 things, I won't remember anything but the first one. And so what I want you to do, for me at least, is to say, uh, we're going to pray for this particular thing. I'll anoint you. I'll pray for you. Uh, and then you tell me the second thing. We don't need anoint anymore, but that oil's good enough. You tell me the second thing, third thing. I had a lady will come up one time, and she had a notebook all filled out, page all filled up with everything. I said, okay. We sat there for about 10 minutes, and I prayed for all the things. We don't, you don't have to go into great detail, but just give us briefly what we need to be prayed for. You can stand in for somebody else. Uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing to do for people, and we'll pray. And then we'll just see what God wants to do, okay? Uh, it'll, it'll be a good time. Now, let me say this. For some reason, um, you might want to come to Sherry. Uh, if some reason, you might want to come to Chris, or you might want to come to me. It doesn't matter to any of us, Okay? It really doesn't. But if you need to, switch over, line, whatever you want to do, you make sure that it's the same God that does the healing, but, um, but you might feel more comfortable. Um, those of you, especially with young children, I don't know how long this is going to take. You know, a lot of folks are going to be coming. Uh, stop back here with the line so we have some private space up here where the, our pianist is going to play in just a minute. We'll have some background. Uh, if you need to leave, uh, come quickly and be prayed for Get in line very quickly. In fact, if you have to break in line, I don't think anybody's going to slug you, okay? So just say, I got to get my kids home or I need to go home. I need to get up to work or something. Just jump up here real quick. If you can stay, we'd love you to stay and pray. You'll know some of the people up here and you'll know some of the reasons. You probably won't know most of them, of the problems. But there's something about corporate prayer for what's happening up here, okay? Does that make sense? I have told you all I know about healing. That's it. I do know that God wants to heal. I really believe that with all my heart. And I believe he wants to heal tonight. Okay? Um, so we're going to, we'll be up here and uh, we'll just kind of spread out up here, guys. Um,